Hello, everybody, and welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world, and I have to do with them, except not at the moment, because we're reviewing episodes. I'm your host, Molly Marsh. I'm just listening to uh, Arctic Monkey's uh, seminal 2006 album, Whatever People Say I Am. That's what I'm not. just going to turn it down a bit uh, to avoid a copyright strike, and so you can hear what I'm saying. Um, this week on the podcast, uh, Johnny and I invited... Will Shaw to our home uh, to discuss uh, the this week's episode of Doctor Who, Once Upon Time. Bit of a mixed review this week, uh, much like last week. I enjoyed myself again, though. Uh, overall, with Series 13, I'm finding I'm enjoying every week, even if it's a mixed bag in terms of quality. It's it's offering us something interesting and different every time, and I'm I'm loving the series for that. It was also great to um, to have Will over, not seen him in a while, and he's always such a reliable podcast guest and offers uh, amazing insight, and also offers amazing insight on his blog, um, on which he posts reviews of the stories every single week, so please do uh, check that out, I'll link everything in the description. Um, next week I have another amazing guest for, uh, lined up for you, and, and more the week after that, and the week after that, but I think... That is everything uh, from me right now. Um, reminder again that Johnny and I um, are putting on a play in London. If you're in the area, do come in February. Again, details are in the description. But without further ado, please do enjoy my conversation with my co-host Jonathan Volfish and William Shaw. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo Nice and loudly, that'd be good. I will do my best. Is this an acceptable volume? It's absolutely stunning. This is quite an unorthodox way to introduce Will as our guest. Just speak louder. As the show started, I feel like I I trailed that Will would be here last week, and Will is here now. His name is William Shaw. He has been on Galactic before on one, two, three, four occasions, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. You were on initially, we we sat on Wimble Common. Yes. That was nice. And then you did a series eleven episode. Which one? Uh, I did the Saranga conundrum, and then I was on. <laughs> yes, you uh, did the Saranga. Then I was on. Conundrum. Can you hear me with Max? Yeah, and yeah. Now yeah. I'm here for this. So I've no, no, been no, no, no. There was, a, there was another, there's another one you missed. Um, we also did a um, 
a uh, Rings of Akuten. Uh, yes, yes. How could I forget? Yes. Commentary. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was great. That was that was that was a, a wonderful uh, thing to do. It was lovely. Yeah, that was like height of lockdown. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, this is the first time I've met Will. Yes. But I've been sort of sort of interacted with him parasocially through the podcast and Twitter, and right. listeners. He's even better in person. Thank you. I'm, I'm not sure of that. Could you describe Will's aroma for the listeners? Will's aroma? Uh, cardamom. With a hint of juniper. Um, that is what I was aiming for. I'm glad <laughs> that I achieved it. Good. Okay, so we just watched um, Once Upon... Once, comma, upon time. Uh, and then we ate some delectable sea bass... And potatoes. potatoes and Brussels sprouts. It was indeed. Mm. Would you agree it was delectable? Yeah, it was a lovely dinner. Um, great. Come on, this, come, come on Molly's podcast listeners. She should do me a great dinner. Mm. <laughs> Johnny will do you a great dinner. So we're full of fish and a beer and a half. And yeah. now we're going to do this podcast. Has <laughs> the show started yet? I'm it started. So it started. Yeah. <laughs> it started. Okay, so we, we, um, we watched uh, Once Upon Time. I want... Did you hear that? Yeah, it's just a sound the flat makes occasionally. Okay, fine. Uh, I would like Will, first of all, to give me his nutshell takeaway. It's no rings of Akaten. But, um, <laughs> but it was pretty good. I probably enjoyed that the most of the individual episodes of Flux so far. I still am a little bit... I'm still not sold on this whole six-episode uh, plot idea uh, that felt more like its own thing than the previous two episodes and you know it was quite fun while I was watching it I suspect it's ultimately going to be maybe a little bit forgettable um, but it did feel like sort of its own story like like um, a drunken one night stand <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, uh, and you hazily forget whether whether your lover was Jodie Whittaker or Joe Martin <laughs> <laughs> Johnny. More like an acid taken on that stand instead of drunken, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You um, just hit a few tabs up at Glasto. For the- and you end up and you find yourself in a tent reading the Wikipedia page on yeah, Doctor yeah. Who's Deep Lore. You're in Chris Chibnall's tent somehow. Oh my god. He's wearing, a, he's wearing one of his famous um, eccentric... Uh, pattern shirts <laughs> o- only that and, and you're fascinated by the patterns on these shirts you're stroking Chris Chibnall's chest yeah, 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 going yeah. let me tell you about the pre-Hartnell doctors yeah. <laughs> okay. this is why the fans were clamouring for a Morbius explanation yeah 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 Jonathan um, is a tent a room? Is we a never, tent we a room? never right so Will listeners okay we're going to do a tangent so right, I was I was at a concert um, at the Roundhouse um, a couple of weeks ago with my friend Harrison, and he's a big Britney Spears fan. And he said it was the first time he'd been to the Roundhouse, but he had heard of the Roundhouse because Britney Spears once played there. Right. And I said, you're in a room in which Britney Spears once stood. And then I said, how many other rooms do you think you've stood in that Britney, Britney Spears once stood in? And he said, maybe the Manchester Arena. And then we were weighing up whether that was a room. And then it led on to Johnny and I talking about what constitutes a room. So, Will, do you think a gazebo is a room? 
I have to say, I like that we're capturing the vibe of the episode by just <laughs> jumping into random other conversations. I, I, I feel wish, like I've wandered into another podcast. I um, wish that we could have actually signposted this section by with some on-screen graphics saying "sector uh, tent conversation." <laughs> was X one and then you know sort of it was keyboard that, smash. No, I think that was actually Elon Musk's child. <laughs> That's the name of Elon. Yeah, um, what do you think? Maybe that's the timeless chance. <laughs> <laughs> Gazebo room or not? Um, <laughs> no. Okay, what about a train carriage? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Uh, what about the toilet on a train? Is that its own room? Yes. Okay, what about a. Um, I like that you're not asking me to elaborate. What about an aircraft hangar? Yes. Room. Okay, what about. Can you think of any examples, Johnny? The Temple of Atropos. <laughs> Is that uh, a... dis- definitively? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, uh, Johnny, give me your take on <clears throat> Once Upon Time. Um, exciting, great watching, really good fun. Uh, the most serialized of episodes we've got. The sort of the most that has, I, I think, a rare episode that really potentially has absolutely no value standing on its own feet that's not necessarily it's funny that's the opposite of what we'll yes well, yeah I, I think it's it's an episode that is entirely based in in the centre of this plot and if if to a degree that if this plot works out and has value and has meaning is critical and crucial and will be it's, it's one that I enjoyed in the watch but I think in retrospect and future watches this one's enjoyment will be will hinge the most on whether this whole thing lands, which is not how I felt necessarily about yes last week's. Yeah, that makes sense. I should qualify when I say it felt most like its own story. It still doesn't actually feel like that. There's still <laughs> an awful lot of plot strands. Sort of the weird, the weird Victorian visionary just wanders in, and there's that, <laughs> that woman at the end who oh says there'll God. be more, there'll be more deep lore later. Don't yeah. I forgot about her already. <laughs> okay, okay, Johnny, give me give me the rest of your take, or is that it? Um, the rest of my take, uh, I I actually appreciated the return of episode one's pacing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was one of the most exciting things about episode one, and we got that back. Um, I I. I I think it was overwhelming because I'm struggling right now to be able to have a take. Uh, I, I, I also think, actually, my key takeaway is I really enjoyed it. It's, it's, it was a lot of spectacle. I think there was very little underneath it. Like I was sort of saying to you earlier in the kitchen, it feels like there's no theme Well, but Will, this one, era. Will one, at one point said, full of sound and fury. Yeah. Um, which, is, which I think was accurate. I, I mean, I, I'll give my take now. At one point during the episode, I said... And this is the weirdest episode of Doctor Who I've ever seen. And I think that's actually, it sounds like too much of a compliment, yeah. to be honest. Because I, I didn't think it was especially good, but I thought it was, it was so baffling. It was so, it was one of those episodes of, of a show where you're just like, nothing, none of the scenes, I, I you know, I, there's not a single scene where I can explain everything that's happening. Mm. Um, and I, I couldn't tell how much of it we were expected to understand, how much of it we weren't. Like the logic of the time falling apart and, and um, the Doctor's mission through time, I wasn't sure how much of that we were expected to connect to tonight and how much of it was for the future. Um, I, I was never bored. No. I said to you in the kitchen before, um, nobody can call the Christian era boring now. I was never bored. Like it, I never knew what the next scene was going to be. 
I was a little bit bored by some of the scenes. <laughs> was there one in particular that you think was like, ugh? Um, I'll I'll be honest. I do think a lot of the Vinda backstory I thought was quite generic, sort of space opera sort of stuff. The thing that I was thinking about with this though is, aside from the um, stuff about realizing a tiny degree of uh, the Doctor's division background, actually, like this story hinges on Vinda getting some backstory because the rest is actually just largely. It's, it, it plays off within the first 10 minutes you get the idea that oh we're going through timelines etc and then we play through that with Yaz and Dan sort of extended and we just get more scenes of essentially that mm. it's actually the same kind of gag if you want to call it a gag over and over and over again but the one that has much more progression is Vinda because you're getting to the point going like oh well this is actually it's this is the episode where we learn who Vinder is. Yeah, there's finally a reason for him to be in the story. Yeah, so, so in my head, actually, this, this is very Vinder's much Vinder's story. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gurge loins, ladies. This is Vinder's, this is Vinder's but time. But it's, it's interesting to me that you, you found that bit the least interesting when, to me, my instinct takeaway is, is this was a, a tale about Vinder. Yes, and uh, I think that, I think, uh, sort of similar to um, uh, sort of the first episode is kind of about Dan, but there's just a million billion other things going on. <laughs> but uh, this is sort of about Vinda, but um, I think the story itself is fairly... Well, it doesn't feel complete, but it, it felt very rote. Like, it felt very, you know... I agree. There's a, a soldier, he realises his higher-ups are corrupt, and then he gets punished for it. It's like, it is just the story so far. It is just yeah. it is just backfilling um, what we saw in episodes one and two. Um, wasn't 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 badly acted. Uh, I did really like the cut from uh, sort of Yaz ordering him to sit down to him sitting down on his uh, mm. outpost rows. I thought that was very nice. There was a lot of cool cuts like that with Dan when he was in that kind of hellish version <coughs> on the date. Okay. I really enjoyed those cuts. Yeah, lots of showy sort of scene transitions and things. Mm. Very nice. It's very. I do. I not, saw... not all of it looked good though. No. There was this week showcased some of the shoddiest CGI we've seen this this season and this era. I mean, surely special effects are just at a price for admission. No, look, I accept, that, I accept that. But like, <laughs> there was some, especially about like the the scene where they're all hovering in the purple. That was that I said at the time that was eighties. It seemed, actually, it was like CSO. I I disagree. I I can't even imagine them green screening that. I think they got a real time portal. <laughs> I think the only way they could fully re- like to get it that realistic. <laughs> they actually must have gone on location. Well, I was in a time pool <laughs> the other day and it did, yeah. look, it did look strictly similar. It, that was location shooting, Molly. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Jesus um, uh, was known for it. They went to South Africa one episode, Mole. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it didn't look good. Like, loads of it didn't look good. There was loads of, like, Jodie Whittaker wobbling about in a scene. They like really, someone had dragged and dropped her. Really, the really, really fond of like zooming in on a character's face and going into Dutch angle as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was very Francis Bourgeois. <laughs> like, like the way they were zooming. I'm in. sorry, that sounds very ignorant. Who is that? Uh, he's oh, a, a. This trend. is not like a French <laughs> New Wave director, by the way. Right. Before, I just want to preempt this. <laughs> Whatever you think this is, Molly is about to disabuse you he of is some a, high. He is a TikToker um, slash Instagrammer. <laughs> Who um who is a train spotter, oh, right. and uh, when he's spotting the trains, he sort of has two cam- main camera angles. He has one that's like viewing him on the platform, mm-hmm. and then he also wears a GoPro, and it and it sh- it's like a fisheye lens and like shows his. 
But he's incredibly face. distorted. It sort of yeah, looks yeah. like he's been stretched on a canvas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this sounds like a Doctor Who monster. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very Cassandra. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The stretchy trans- It's great. It's great content. Would recommend. Would recommend highly. Well, now that we know more about Vinder, are you more interested in his character, Will? I am a little bit, which means I'm kind of nonplussed as to why he's just been left on his planet and mm. <laughs> the TARDIS team have pissed off. Yeah. Oh, true. Uh, yeah, they kind of left him, didn't they? Yeah, I don't think he was in the next time trailer either. So, like... I think we'll catch up with him at the end. It seems like next week will be quite standalone and more set in this Angel story. So maybe maybe this was maybe written pick previously. Up yeah, yeah, it, it feels like, like that. I don't remember any sort of swarm or other arc stuff being in the train. No, it feels like next week is going to be standalone. And, and like part of me wants that and part of me is like, I'm kind of on the swarm train. <laughs> and actually, really, yeah. I've, I've got to be honest, we're three episodes in. I still think Swarm's very boring. Boring. I just, okay. I just do not get what the point of him is as a king villain. of camp and hunk. Swarm. I don't think he's particularly camp though. Like, I think he's so camp. Okay, well, like I can't remember. I can't tell you any of his lines or like, <laughs> remember any of his camp moments. I think. Like, what about when he? What about when he apparated and was <laughs> was leaning leaning camply against a pillar? Folding his arms, and again, what about his fucking enormous eighty shoulder pads? Yes, it's no, it's not, it's not Michelle Gomez, is it? You know, he's it's not had any like, killer lines. It's right. not Michelle Gomez, but it's yeah, it's not Michelle Gomez. But like, I think that's asking a lot. I mean, it's not even Sasha Dewan, you know. Mm. So. I think it's better than Sasha Dewan. Really? I think it's better than Sasha Dewan in the end of series twelve. Yeah. Really, I I've got to be. I honest. don't think it's better than Spider. I think I think I. Why I actually like his performance. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the few sort of. Yeah, like, I think it's okay. I know I, I like it. I think it's okay, but I, I like this guy too. Yeah, I think Sasha Dewan is was never my issue with that iteration last year with the lines. Sasha Dewan, I like. I'd, I'd love to have given Sasha Dewan better material because he was doing, he was running miles with inches. Yes, he's. I agree. He I agree. Is, he is. He he has the quality that lots of good Doctor Who actors have, which is he's too good for this shit. But now we commit to it. Speak of a Doctor Who actor who's runs miles with inches and who showed up surprisingly <gasps> today. I think we should. I should we, we hold, should off, hold on off on that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. <clears throat> I, think <laughs> I think we should. The Domino Man. Okay, so the reference here is the the tri- we last week on the podcast when Sarah was here we were um, trying to research who voiced the triangles. In the week in between, we found out who voices the triangles, and it is the same man who voices Papa Don Leo in the Don Leo adverts. So every time those characters are on stage uh, on screen now, I consistently refer to them as Papa Don, Papa Don Leo. So we want to go back to a slightly more structured approach to this, I, but. This is yeah, a very yeah. unstructured episode, so where do you want to start? I want to start with Dan Lewis and okay. what we thought of his character and its development this week, and John Bishop's portrayal of Dan Lewis this week. I want to start with Will telling us about that. Um, I've got to be honest, he didn't leave much of an impression. Like, it wasn't really his he story was sort this of, week, was it? No. sort of amusingly clueless at the end, which is funny. He seems to think like the, the obvious hologram of, of Di is like, real, which I, I was a little bit... Not plus point, but um, yeah. Did he um, think that? I thought he was just sort of reaching out to it in the way that anybody would if they. Yeah, but he says he, he says you know she's there. Um, I, I. But she is there, no? Like she's she's in the passenger. That's oh, the impression yeah, I got. I, I suppose you know, maybe maybe I'm the clueless one, but uh, yeah, I I think he was quite good in the scenes with Di. You know, like I am surprised by as with Bradley Walsh, I'm surprised like oh yeah he can act, he's good, but um, yeah it's, it's all right. Um, 
have no. I continue to sort of enjoy happy. whenever he's on screen. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm never. Like whenever Dan's got a line, I'm happy. Mm. I yeah, I feel exactly the same. He's 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 knocking out the park in every scene he's in. But yeah, equally, this wasn't really his story. We got a nice bit where we saw a bit of what's going on in the, Dan's life. Like yeah, yeah. The, I, I I thought actually just the directing and the entire approach to his section with Dan was very good um, horror directing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was quite miserable and scary the idea of talking to someone and kind of time part it was like a nightmare actually it was nightmare logic yeah, it was very yeah. um, silence in the library as well yeah very 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 uh, very silence in the library um, I enjoyed her too like I think she's it's good that like she's a bit of a damsel in distress. Yeah, right? I, I did get to that. I was like, oh, we're doing this, which is a bit unfortunate. Yeah. But <clears throat> she's at least a character. Like, there's something. I think there's something to her. There's, she's got mm. some um, some uh, spunk. Yeah, although I do worry there's uh, sort of shades of grace to this, which is once again oh, hundred percent. Yeah, there's yeah, a really yeah. fun seeming sort of uh, love interest for yeah, our yeah, middle aged yeah, yeah. comedian to sort of <laughs> angst over. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we'll yeah, see how that plays in next yeah. week, I guess. And they properly actually also did um, kill off his wife, giving him a little bit of character. Yeah. Oh, God, oh they, God did, they did! Yeah. Well, not kill off, no, no she just left she, him at the aisle, yeah. Yeah, left him at the altar. Jilted. Jilted. She'll turn out to be the timeless child. Jilted, John. <laughs> What's it? When you're shanghai is that, that a different means. thing? I think that's. I think that's like a. You're the one who's lived in Shanghai. <laughs> yeah, but I think this is a different. I think it's a different okay, use. Uh, to, do you know? Do you know? I what think I that's mean? a sudden wedding, but I'd have to look up. Like, okay, right. I, I, I sure. knew it was sort of a funny sort of time like associated with wedding together. I think. Yeah. Please do not quote me on that. They got <laughs> Shanghai'd. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I hope they didn't. But <laughs> and what about Yaz this week? We'll no start one. with Will because he's more positive about Yaz than than we are. I, we, we, are, we are a household of Yaz haters. Yeah. We hate Yaz. <laughs> I, I'm surprised you have that kind of strength of feeling about Yaz, to be honest. I, yeah. I, I'll be honest, I do think Yaz... No more Yaz. No I've, more Yaz. I'm, you know, there's only a few more episodes left. But I do, <laughs> I, I've got to be honest, I like Mandip Gill. I like some of the ideas in Yaz. What do you like about Mandip Gill? <laughs> Uh, I think she can. I think she's you know personable and charming. And I think in uh, the first episode, uh, the Halloween Apocalypse, uh, she and Whitaker have quite good chemistry. Um, you know, what? I'm not going to argue with that. I do think she and Whitaker have good chemistry because I do. I know they're friends in real life, and that comes across on screen. Oh right, that's, are they? I like. I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's like the only thing I get from. I mean, yeah, her, her the the episode like forgets she's in it frequently. I. Yeah. Uh, it was actually interesting, sort of seeing her playing lots of different uh, different characters in this. Yeah, so, true. Um, yeah, there's there sort of there was, there was sort of an odd thing. I kind of preferred her as Vendor's commanding officer. Yeah, but there was a weird thing where like the first uh, like the first line she gives is like RP, and then sort of she shifts into back into. Oh my god! Yeah, that did happen. Is that time messing around? You know, is that, is yeah, that, yeah. Is that Yaz reasserting herself? But yeah, it was interesting, sort of seeing her getting to play some other people but mm-hmm. I've got to be honest my main takeaway from this yes subplot was the uh, the video game scene so once again the doctor is a gamer <laughs> but also people don't call them video games now apparently no. which is, right, I'm confused which is like, what, what do people, people call, call video games write in and tell us what people is call it just video games now like I call them computer games which I which I do in a sort of semi-ironic way because I know that's not what people call them is it mm. video I don't know <laughs> uh, my mum calls them all Nintendo 
Officially, yeah. all of them. That's very 80s. All of them. She calls all of them Nintendo. Yeah, well, I always had a Nintendo console, so she just thinks they're all called Nintendo. Oh, well, you know, Nintendo introduced the uh, introduced the term game console so that Nintendo mm. didn't become a generic term. Yeah, she, <laughs> she's, she's hopeless. Once again, we're returning to the topic of my mum and technology. <laughs> I, I she did... called them video games. Yeah. No, my mum doesn't because she's hit with the kids. <laughs> You're playing your Nintendo? I yeah. did think that they... And I get the feeling Will's going to disagree with me here, and I don't know why I feel like that. I did feel like the 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 Weeping Angels, um, in a video game conceit, was quite good, and then it seemed a shame to waste it on a on a little uh, episodic scene like that. Well, we've got a Weeping Angels game now, haven't we? Yeah, true, true, true. You know, um, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think it's. I, I think you're absolutely right. It hadn't occurred to me at the time, but mm. it's it's a great conceit. I'd love to have seen it explored more. I'd love to see it explored more. Mm. Potentially, we're going that next week. It doesn't look like it. It looks like mm-hmm. we go back to the seventies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it looks like a, a period piece, so maybe not. But I d- yeah, the, the, again, that scene. Another thing that sort of threw me about that scene is Yaz destroying her sister's PS4 and her sister going, "Do you want me to be single forever?" Like, what does that? What does her sister mean by that? Because because she, she's playing the games because she thinks that whole sort of she wants to be a game girl. Yes. Right, this okay. all very painfully but middle-aged also, man. But also, yeah, also, the yeah, response is... to a broken console. Like, your yeah, sister yeah, yeah. jumping like... up and smashing your PS4. That's like 500 quid, right? I You'd be like, what the hell are you doing, Yasmin Khan? <laughs> uh, Yasmin's sister's only character trait is that she wants to get laid. <laughs> that's it. Do you th- I would love that's if we had a behind-the-scenes... Ep- oh, my God. Because we know Ryan loves PS3. Ryan Cameo. So she's trying <laughs> to play games with Ryan. Her, <laughs> Do we know Ryan? Her and, her and Ryan. She fancies, no, Ryan fancies her, yeah. It's from uh, Series 12. Her and Ryan are doing the dirty when they're in like the half time of, ep- of FIFA episodes, not FM. Yeah, yeah. FIFA halves. We're so, we're oh, so sure, out sure, of sure, touch. Sure. Is there a half time when you're playing FIFA? Surely, yeah. you got to take some time out getting on. you like on the game, you like go and buy a pie. Yeah, yeah. Sli- no, because you're the player. You have a slice of orange. Oh, sure, sure, you, sure, sure. You'd get a stitch, Molly. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Imagine if a football player started eating a pie. Imagine. Against us. <laughs> <laughs> they just go in and sort of go, oh, this one's great. You just what if, a microwave. What if that was in the Weeping Angels game? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, yeah, weird scene. Very weird scene. Weird scene. Yeah, I found... I got, I got nothing. I, don't know, I, I do feel like the Weeping Angels, they're obviously there to set up the cliffhanger, which is quite a good cliffhanger, I thought. But um, I do feel like they they didn't add all that much to this episode specifically. It just kind of felt like they were like kind of an obligatory monster. Um, similar to like the Cybermen who just show up to menace, um, what's her name for one scene? Uh, and go Belle, away. she was called. Oh, what, she what do we think of um, Belle? I loved Belle. I thought she was excellent. Why? Why did Why did you like her particularly? Uh, I thought she was a good actor, the, the girl who was playing Belle, and I thought um, I thought she was kind of a magnetic presence when she was on screen. Um, I yeah, I wanted to, even though she was a new character, I knew nothing about her. I wanted to watch more of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was immediately intrigued, and yeah. I thought um, very exposition heavy but it works actually it's the kind of exposition that works it's the kind of thing as well though actually like her dialogue often wasn't that good mm. and it's the kind of thing that proves why sadly Mandip Gill is the problem 
I found my my takeaways. It feels often in Magnet Gill's scenes. You know how in old eighties sci fi they ADR they will sort of re-record the dialogue later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It feels almost like they film the scenes without Magnet Gill there, and then on a green screen just sort of put her in, and she's acting against nothing, yeah. and no one's acting against her, and they just sort of I, I shove her mean. in the room. Yeah, I, it's post like, fact. Whereas this 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 um, uh, actor who was playing Belle, I thought, yeah, she she was charismatic. She was. It felt like she was involved, you know. I got everything from her that I hadn't got from many of the companions that, of this era so at all. What did you make of the reveal at the end? You know? uh, well, I, I thought, first of all, that it was going to pan out and we were going to get um, Rose on the other end of the phone. <gasps> oh! Really? I kept thinking we're going to get Billy Piper here. Wow, that would have been mad. Because we've had the outpost Rose, like, Easter true, egg. True, true, true. What's that an Easter egg, it feels like? I feel like it's an Easter egg. It feels so obvious, though. Obvious, but like, I I think that I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Chibnall pulled something like that. It's definitely that. It, it seems a strange one to do the wink without to do doing the nudge after. Right. Okay. Mm. If you know, what I mean, I, like like the rest of his captions with that era have all been Elon Musk's child's name. So the fact <laughs> that, that that outpost has a specific name and it's one that is indelibly linked to the new series of Doctor Who, you can't. This, it, it could this, it could be just Chibnall just like nodding to. It seems Aaron. very much like a Chekhov. Well, we, well, we got we got a, we got a little reminder of who Rose was in Revolution of the Daleks. So like, true, oh, yeah, true, yeah. Jack for no reason says, "Oh, it's like Rose. Remember your companion in another universe or something." Like so Chibnall's that. very obviously like into <laughs> that era. You know, mm. it's. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw someone like that this year. What if fact someone more affordable than Billy Piper? Yeah, true. Yeah, she's kind of doing big things now, isn't she? Yeah, she's got better things to do than Yeah, this. she's <laughs> got that show I Hate Susie. Yeah. And she she was in that quite she directed successful play at The yeah. National, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she's directed her first feature. Yeah, she's, she's too good for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I still wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of uh, low-key expecting mm. a cameo. Not even necessarily from her, but like from some RTD era thing. Mm. So who, what, Free Raggin or... Mate, that doesn't feel big enough. Oh, it's Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate, maybe. be wild if you went for Noel Clark. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not the word I'd use. But so, I mean... Yeah. Egregious. Egregious, yeah. He was like, we're going to write, you know, Barrowman out. And then he wrote Noel Clark in, pre-finding out the news. They filmed the scenes. It's like, oh, well, he's in now. Oh, crap. For God's sake. Oh, that would be... Uh, yeah. It's very um, Kanye West uh, recruiting Marilyn Manson and DaBaby for his uh, for his <laughs> album. Uh, no, that's not going to happen. Um, Thank God. Oh. Any thoughts on the kind of on the nature of like Belle's storyline and like the way we started the episode? And she's in like the Dalek zone and like it's post flux. It's sort of a flash forward. No. Yeah, I think I think it's a fascinating. It was really great and really interesting as a sort of concept. Mm-hmm. But actually, this is something I wanted to get to. It raised all these questions about the the biggest questions. It seems like this episode answered a few questions. We found out a little bit more about Vinder. That was sort of it. Um, <laughs> but we know it, about what's happening to the rest of the universe. But it gave well, it gave us a lot more questions as to well, what exactly does the flux do to the? Because it seemed like the flux was a. Uh, you know, almost like the antimatter to the universe's matter and its complete obliteration. Well, it's not. It's it's doing something different. Sorry, what are you following? It's like, you know, Flux has fucked up space and now 
and Swarm is going to do something to time. And time and space hate each other and are fighting. That whole monologue about time and space, I, <laughs> Will and I were, were looking at the screen bewildered, and I sort of tried to um, pull in Johnny's physics expertise, because you you've got a degree in physics, mm-hmm. and you were able to give us nothing. Uh, no, well, it's... it's, it's, it's... I, I don't think... You studied at university for three years. I did. I don't... And you've got an A-level, I would assume, in physics as well. Yeah, actually, that was mandatory. Yeah. I had to, had to... They wouldn't let me in to study yeah. it. Uh, I, don't, I don't suspect Christian no, is particularly interested in the actual theory of how the time dimension right, okay, fine. functions fine. with uh, space dimensions. Um, no, and you know what? No, I don't want anyone to think I am either. I'm not. But I also like on a story level couldn't really get to grips with what. Well, well this is this is sort of what I was getting. I, I, like we we caused much... effect was was completely. Yeah, we've got much bigger effects. So well, it's not really clear what flux does. It's not really qu- clear what it means for flux to mess with space either, because you've just got a sort of a thing that seemingly engulfed plants and destroyed them, obliterated them completely in episode one, and now it's just kind of damages them in a way and lets the baddies through kind of willy-nilly to, to roam and... Oh, yeah, like in episode one, it was like... Complete fully, It was like Thanos, like, um, like dissolving people, right? Yeah. Whereas now it's like nuclear. Yeah, now it's, it's sort of, yeah, we're in, we're in a, a sort of a, a post-nuclear holocaust scenario and, and the baddies kind of... The Daleks and, and all that are uh, roaming around. Which is yeah. fine, but it, it, it actually does contrast with what we've seen before. Mm. And then, Good to see a Dalek coming in. It was very fun when they showed up. It was very unexpected. But then we also have all these questions of it seems like suddenly the Doctor from episode two, not knowing anything about Atropos, jumps into these time spheres and... Right, this is what I was going to bring up. So the Doctor... Now knows the Moria. Two, like, yeah. shows up, she's like, what's the Moria? I've never heard of it. Mm. I've never heard of any of this. Like, This completely um, contradicts everything I know about the fabric of space and time. Uh, I'm completely shocked, you know, whatever. And now she's like, she is able to understand it to the degree that she's able to navigate the... She sort of recognised that they would have a use in the plot instead of being, well, who are you? Well, it's because she, she's getting it from... Um, she's getting the memory, getting access to Joe Marshall's sure. memory. Okay, fine. Like, so it's oh, like, okay, that so is... It's like she's absorbing and, not, and then she says at the end, no, give me more, I need... I need, I need sure, enough right. information to actually make head or tail of this, um, <laughs> which, which was relatable, you know. But um, it also, it's not really, it's, if, if it's doing that, which makes a lot of sense, well, it's not really doing it in a way that we really understand what the yeah, Moria, it doesn't really, it, like, the Doctor is now clear on why this is all relevant and what this has in meaning to time. Yeah. What? Why time needs all this? But we are completely not in. There is there is a frustrating thing. Uh, Andrew Ellard has a line about Chibnall, which is uh, he writes dialogue where the characters talk as if the audience must not be spoiled. So you have lots of people throwing around these sort of vagaries and suddenly knowing things, but yeah, sort of dancing so around it in the things that they say. Mm. And it it there's definitely like, a case of that. I'm, watch, I'm watching you, like I'm watching you episode. You can spoil me now. Mm. Like there's a certain like, but we got we still don't know what's up with the guy from Liverpool. <laughs> it's still they're still not explained a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, could could we list the amount of things we don't know? Okay, I want you to start since you've suggested that. Okay, we don't really know what the Mori do. No. We don't really know why Swarm's got his agenda. 
mm-hmm. who the ravages are. We don't know what the relation of our old Liverpudlian gentleman is. We don't really know why Vinder's related to the plot, actually. Mm-hmm. Why, is he, why is he important to it? Yeah. We don't really know why Dan is so important that the Ravagers have got his gal. Mm-hmm. We don't really know who this old woman that showed up near the end at all, what that's about. Yeah. I'm trying to think. We, I'd say we do actually have an understanding of just... The f- actually, maybe Belle and Vinda, they're just characters we're also following. Mm-hmm. Maybe we do understand I think, that, actually. I think, I, think we are, I think we are coming up to uh, some sort of big, a, a, a deep lore reveal to rival the Timeless Children. Like, I suspect that's I think we're coming down the pipe, yeah. but like, mm. I don't quite know what Are there any is. other big not-knows that I've missed there? Um, what the Weeping Angels are up to? I True, yeah, so, yeah. Um, What's going on with the TARDIS? Yeah, yeah, they've, they've, oh, yeah, they've stolen about the TARDIS now. So that's, that's what was going on. Like, this is kind of linked to what you said before, but like, Swarm and Azure when they were like, when Azure was like in the Arctic, what's that about? Mm, yeah, well, they never explain that. Who knows? I feel like they won't explain that. I think we're going to get a few loose ends on this. You know, I think they are. Yeah. This is one of the things I suggested while watching it is um, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know I've been getting very annoyingly into Sapphire and Steel over the last few <laughs> weeks. And um, if you ever watched that, there's, it is it was actually similar to this episode in that like, a lot of things seem to be happening and there's no immediate sort of rationalistic explanation for how absolutely everything fits together. But there's you sense there's like a deliberate ambiguity. And similarly, like the heroes know more than the audience and just don't bother telling them. But like that feels deliberate and conscious and intentionally ambiguous whereas this just feels what feels frightening is we've got three episodes now we're at the halfway point yeah that's which is it's quite frightening Mm. like we've got three episodes and then to tie this up and one of them it seems next week is going to be a diversion I uh, can 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 I say like uh, a, a prediction you can right. say whatever you like I love you to say a prediction Will look we're not we're not a British university there's free speech here <laughs> we'll play, so, we'll, so you're, you're not implementing we'll, prevent we'll on platform this anybody and everybody on this podcast <laughs> will we now John, John Cleese can come whenever he likes <laughs> former disgraced Sussex uni <laughs> lecturer <laughs> Kathleen Stock what, 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 what would John Cleese and Kathleen Stock have to say about that? <laughs> well, we'll find out because they're next week's guests. <laughs> oh, God. What do turfs have to say about the 13th Doctor? I, I shudder to think. That would be a real risky move. That would be a. <laughs> I would love it. <laughs> would you? No, you wouldn't. Would you actually? Uh, no, I wouldn't, obviously. You would love it for about five seconds and yeah, it would yeah, actually yeah. happen. <laughs> it would be dreadful. <laughs> Thanks for grinding me, Will. Uh, Will. I also think, even if it was a dreadful, I bet that takes some Doctor Who shit. Yeah. yeah. Even, even if it didn't leer into the miserable territory, I bet they... Well, John Cleese had been in Doctor Who. Oh, he has. He's in yes, good point. Kathleen Stock hasn't been in Doctor Who. Not yet. Not yet. It's one of the few platforms that hasn't had a forest. <laughs> 14th Doctor? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine... Um, Russell, if you're listening. <laughs> Do not do that. <laughs> uh, yes, if, if this podcast has any sway. <laughs> imagine Jodie Whittaker turning into Kathleen Stock in what is ultimately a trans metaphor. Oh. <laughs> and it's Kathleen Stock. <laughs> <laughs> For God's sake. Okay. Now that's, you know, Jordan Peterson is the new master. 
Oh, I, I think Actually, I'm almost good. into this version <laughs> no, of no, no, no. <laughs> If Kathleen Stock is the Doctor, then then the Master has to be some, somebody who disagrees with her more than that. Oh, right, okay. The Master has to be like... Owen Jones. Lorraine <laughs> Kelly. Owen Jones. Lorraine Kelly. Okay, Will, you were about to make a prediction. Before we went off on that slightly... Uh, That's one of my favourite tangents we've done so far, actually. Uh, Will... <laughs> What was your prediction? Oh, I think um, I, I mean, this is this is based on me being very pretentious, but um, I wonder if this is I wonder if the master is going to somehow be involved because um, Swarm quotes Milton before he teleports away, just like the master quotes Shelley in the Timeless Children. So I wonder if that's mm. what's going on there, like if that's like a hint to to or is that just proper. liking his villains quoting? Literature. Sort of dead mm. poets. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. Good chat, though. I did, an English, chat. I did an English degree, too. I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> it's quite a... I feel like the, the trope of bad guy with English accent quotes, like, dead literary, mm. English literary th- figure. Yeah, yeah. Why is that such a thing? Why is it so sinister to quote someone dead for 300 years? <laughs> I think there's something kind of... Um, authoritarian about it maybe mm. or there's something kind of like elusive about it about saying something where you're not saying something but you're saying something and it's like it, it like signifies elitism right, right. Yeah, sure, Ar- sure arguably sure. like I, 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 I do want to stress quoting quoting dead poets I'm a big fan I do it all the time yeah. and I promise I'm not evil but <laughs> what, what it is though is you're sort of doing you know I'm part of the canon and <laughs> you've as you stomp someone yeah, out but of the Yeah, but Chris Chibnall asserting that he's part of the canon. <laughs> well, like or not, he is. Look, I want to address the other... What canon? <laughs> the canon of Western literature. The canon, yeah, it's yeah. Like Dante, Homer, Chibnall. Harold Bloom is writing about this as we speak. <laughs> well, he's dead, so like... Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I, the joke worked and then I remembered that he came back specifically to write about actually that is such a him move he <laughs> <laughs> would totally do that um, I want to address the elephant in the room uh, the Dan Vanister people on Twitter mm-hmm. do we think Dan Vanister is going to become canon in the next three episodes well they're the same person in this episode in this, this episode the, yeah yeah it's yeah. that beautiful reveal mm. Mm. <laughs> what, do but we Dan's think Dan and Carl Vanister will fuck well, they're sort of bonded in a way that I, I sort of see them as, um, I'm going to say this term, I haven't, I, as I'm remembering it, I'm wondering if it's a problematic <clears throat> one, but Siamese twins. Sure. I, I think it, I think we say conjoined. Conjoined. Sorry. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, if that doesn't get added out, I then conjoined. But didn't remember the word and knew the other one. You'll have to write your notes up. Apology later. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said we don't we don't do cancel culture on this podcast. Yeah, we do don't. We don't. Uh, yeah. We. I say, I say that you don't. I do. Uh, I will. I will cancel culture. Actually, Will <laughs> just did. You listeners, you can't see this. Will just cancelled me in real life. Yeah, he just did that to me. That's why we're in this sort of floating pink void. Right? Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is where people go. I hate this tangent. So please, Johnny. <laughs> Continue your train of thought. Um, yeah, they're sort of bonded in a way that I think it'll be incest. Right. Okay, I think fine. I think it's going to be enemies to lovers because like they clearly don't like each other. But I think and Dan says, "Oh, I'm not your human," and all that sort of thing. But I think they're going to Beatrice. I style. think they're going to you know sort of 
grow closer together over the course of the series. Um, Dies going to be out of the picture by the end. It's going to be no. those two. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Should we address the actual elephant in the room, which is um, there's like five. <laughs> yeah, which is Joe Martin's daughter. Oh, it's really nice to see her. It was again. so nice to see her, but also incredibly disappointing because she, like, she had a few lines which were exposition, and then she we're flicking and out of Jodie Whittaker and a better doctor. I mean, I this is very this is a very basic take. I, I, I found it painful to watch. It was like they were dangling Joe Martin's doctor in front of us. I mean, it's it does feel there is there sorry, is. I feel harsh. Sorry, Will, to interrupt. No, no, I feel sorry. so harsh saying a better doctor. Actually, that feels mean. But like, I do prefer Joe Martin's doctor. And even if I didn't prefer Joe Martin's doctor, I do like her doctor a lot. And I and it seems like she won't be the new doctor. So I think we've got three episodes to experience Joe Martin's Doctor. It doesn't feel like she's in the next one either. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was it for her. It's the way they're dangling her in front of us. I mm. this this may sound very basic. It's cruel. Yeah, it is cruel. I, it was interesting actually how uh, Jodie Whittaker doing Joe Martin Doctor lines that she's instantly more proactive and is instantly sort of yeah uh, true is, true is true like doing things much more actively. Well, the thing I noticed though as well was every time it flicked to Joe Martin, I was just like, well. She delivered that better. <laughs> I and do yeah. having having it, you know it be one continuous sentence, but occasionally another another actor doing it. Go like, but without without this? denigrating Whitaker too much, like I I wanted it to stay on her. Like mm. whenever it flicked to her, I wanted to to stay with Joe. Yeah. To, to, to spit me. to spit out my basic political take. It's mm. like literally sort of superimposing sort of a white woman over a black one was mm. very. There was something jarring about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's yeah, very basic, but like also, it's basic, sort of but it's also adds, astute. Adds on to like the basic sort of dramatic issues with that yeah. whole idea. Um, yeah, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Would would do you think the episode would have been more interesting if like Jodie, if those scenes had just been Joe Martin, like if if Jodie Whittaker had been off, you know, sort of helping Yaz play video games and helping Dan sort of. Um, I would enjoy some more. It had just yeah. been Joe Martin, sort of leading inexplicably leading John Bishop and romantic I think it would have been a more exciting reveal if at the start of the episode it had flicked to the three the three of them on the planet and rather than Jodie Whittaker it was Joe Martin in the middle mm. that would have been a cooler reveal I think dilute the purity of the uh, you know sort of the same actors playing these different characters true 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 um, yeah you make a good point but you'd probably end up actually I think in a way narratively Chibnall probably made the better decision and learned from his perspective because as you said when Jodie Whittaker's, Jodie Whittaker's given Ruth Doctor lines she's much more active the solution of changing this way what we end up getting is probably Jodie Whittaker in, in some omniscient cloud watching uh, watching all these actions take place and learning through it instead of learning learning over it instead of learning through it which just purely True. on, in, on in, in many ways perspective. It's the, this episode was the time the children done well yeah because it was or it not was, done well but done better. like it corrected some of the mistakes that the time it was time made. portal with Jodie Whittaker learning exposition but she had she did it instead of observed it yeah, I yeah agree. although it I does agree, it yeah. does have this episode does have the problem of actually last week and some of the other ones which is the companions just conveniently get teleported up to where the flot is like the the splitting up the doctor and companions obviously it's like the classic thing you do in doctor who but it just 
it's always quite contrived. It seems like Flux kind of is concerned about the narrative. Yes. <laughs> like the Flux as a force is trying to make sure the plot functions it's like the force in, in an Star important Wars. way. Yeah. Is the Flux Chris Chibnall? If, they, if, that's, the if that's the reveal, like he gets to the end and they go to the heart of the flux, and it's Chris Chibnall's It's Chris wearing only an eccentric shirt. <laughs> okay. In a tent. It was I, Doctor. <laughs> I don't know what he sounds like. It's, it, it, was, it was I, Doctor. I, I can't do it. And it ends, and uh, the Doctor finds herself being grilled on open air. Uh, that's the show that Chibnall was on as a teenager. No, I, I Johnny. Okay, fine. You looked confused. No, no, no. I, I knew you were the sort reference. of doing a thing where you were putting the microphone in the socket of your eye. I've got a minor headache. Have you? And you oh, know no, when no, you sorry. compress your eyeball to get rid of it, and I was Does doing it with the mic. Yeah. No. Can you hear that? I'm just pressing the mic into my eyes. I'm, I'm sorry that I can't hear it. Actually, one one sort of other Jodie Whittaker now quite good at playing sort of Yaz's fellow police officer. I was just going to say, quite funny. Funny. there was like a moment where I was like watching her as the cop, and I was like, oh my god, we're seeing we're seeing Jodie Whittaker being the Dr. little Satsuma story. Yeah, it was like fuck, like this is Doctor Who for a second, and then it was all gone again. Really, I thought it was like more like sort of sitcom sort of. No, that I hot fuzz. It. I love it. It felt very RTD dialogue actually. The yeah, Satsuma yeah. story. Mm-hmm. Uh, how so? Just it sort of had that like uh, quotidian, quotidian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, detail and and the the kind of complaining about nothing and the the the, the to and fro of daily life that, mm. that RTD gets in his dialogue quite nicely. Mm. It had that that. Quantity. God, the story was so far from daily life. <laughs> yeah, it's funny to think. I don't know. My you know often. It's <laughs> absolutely fucking wild to think back on the woman who fell to earth. And how, how grounded that was in prestige drama. In Sheffield. How grounded that was in, in Sheffield and daily life. And then you look at this and you're like, oh my... I'm not saying either is better or worse. It's just wild like how far this era's come. I think we are going to get back to Liverpool because we do have the historic figure, Williamson. And we are going to do the Williamson tunnels. Oh, you were telling us stuff about Williamson. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not an expert, but like the Victorian guy... Is that Williamson? Because not, not Sarah Victorian. was telling us he, um, he had uh, some other name. Uh, I do not know enough about him to know whether that's true. Okay. But, um, but the Williamson Tunnels, uh, is what they're called, um, they are real. There was a guy from the 1820s called Williamson who excavated a bunch of tunnels under Liverpool. Um, I knew about that because I read about him in Alexi Sales Memoirs, so that's uh, mm. how I came across that. But um, okay. yeah, he was... Because um, when he's with Dan, he's talked about, oh, I'm going to blast you off this mortal plane. He's talking about like sort of blasphemy and like sort of sort of cod biblical language. And uh, some have speculated that the purpose of the Williamson Tunnels was like it was going to be where he and maybe the people of Liverpool were going to go in the event of like a biblical apocalypse. Like, and what are they used for? society now? was going to go. It's just a, it's a tourist uh, sort of destination. Okay. Like, it's like because the thing about them is they're they're labyrinthine and they're very oddly designed, but like not they're not terribly practical to live in. Like there's there's a weird thing because some of them are really big and some of them are just really small and they don't really seem to go anywhere or suggest any kind of pattern so they're, they're a really it's a really interesting sort of hook for a Doctor Who story but like but this isn't it this is just a random Victorian guy just sort of wandering around for three episodes yeah like what's going on with him are we getting it doesn't seem like it, we're getting answers there it, it no it, we've so far had a scene with him in every episode and that's it you get one scene 
Yeah. So, oh, do we get an episode dedicated to him later? Maybe? Do we get one scene each episode until the end and no resolution? Maybe two. <laughs> like, he, he, had a, he had a laser gun. Maybe he swarm. Yeah. <laughs> Early swarm? Late swarm? <laughs> or he's, um... He's a faction paradox, or one of the oh other. God. Well, this is the other thing I was going to say in terms of predictions. With this, look, I, I feel stupid and silly even saying this. There's been loom chat on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up. Okay. Oh boy. Johnny, could you explain? Because I explained to you earlier in the week. Could oh, you explain looms to the the uh, listeners at home who, who may not know about looms? To be clear, they definitely will because they're listening to this. <laughs> Time lords are asexual, right? You got and it. not in not in the in the um, LGBT sense. No, in the in the uh, biological biological sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like in the way that a spider plant is right, asexual. Exactly right. Um, and so you need a loom to make one, right? Uh, and where and where was this established? In the. Um, Lumber book. It was in. It was in a couple of books. Lumber. But the, the book that people talk about is Lungbarrow. Lungbarrow. He well said done. eventually. Well yes. done, Johnny. Um, in Lungbarrow, which is the final novel of it's the, the penultimate novel the of, penultimate the Virgin of the Virgin New Adventures. Yeah, uh, and it's sort of long been mythologized by fans, hasn't it? I've not read it. I've not read it. None of us have read it. Honey, I've not read it either. But it has long been. Nobody um, has. I mean, you can't. You can't get a copy. I feel like Daniel Craig in um, Knives Out. It's like Gravity's Rainbow. I haven't read it. Neither have I. Nobody has. (laughs) But like, it's so hard to get a hold of. But it's this highly mythologized book. Copy going on eBay for eight hundred and eighty-five pounds right now. Yes. So it it reveals some stuff about the Doctor's backstory. For a long time, it's kind of been held as this kind of paragon of Doctor Who deep lore and there's something in Lungbarrow called the House of Lungbarrow which is sort of the Doctor's ancestral home as I understand it mm-hmm. and last week there was that weird black and white sequence with the house and people are linking this to <coughs> Lungbarrow there's so many elements in every episode but it does not feel like we're getting our do you, do you think yeah, Chibnall like, would be so connect- do you think it'd be so audacious to draw on a novel from like 1991 uh, I feel like later it's like mid 90s like yeah, 90, like 95, 96 yeah um, but uh, well if it is I hope I hope Mark Platt gets a royalty payment <laughs> me too me too actually he got no. one for uh, the Cyberman story so, like, oh, oh yeah no he did yeah, do you know what my prediction is it's not just that the finale is going to be about Lung Barrow but that Christian Bnall isn't one of the people who's read it because also it doesn't have a copy but he's read the wiki on it <laughs> And that's the de- that's the level of depth he will have. He has been publicly asked about it, and he said, I've, I haven't read it. So. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's not read it, but yes, it is about it. That's my conclusion. Sorry, where was Christian Bell asked about this? <laughs> it was in the run-up to Series 11. Some, some, Someone asked him about some, some, in the run-up to Series 11. <laughs> some absolute madman <laughs> asked him. You could tr- I, I, swear this is, I swear this is true, it was filmed. He said, "This is madness." He was asked, "Like, will Loons be ca- be canon or something?" He said, "Like, said like, you know, oh my word or something like that." That nerd shot their shot. <laughs> that nerd needs to take a lot of hard work. <laughs> I think I think they're on Twitter, so they all might power to them. I love it. I'm so I'm proud actually. That is for God's sake. <laughs> 
And thanks to that nerd, Lynx might now be <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's what put the idea in his head. But yeah, maybe he was like, hmm. He walked away from that going, should Lynx be cancelled? <laughs> this will shock him. <laughs> Um, if, he, if he did that, that would take the whole Chibnallira from a 5 to a 10 in my book. It'd do, be incredible. What do we think? Where do we think this series is going? Like, we talk, we've, we've been talking about a deep law reveal. What do we think this is going to... Like, series 12 revealed some pretty heavy shit about the Doctor's past. Are we getting something on that scale again? No, because I think it assumes... I think the show feels like it's acting like the thing we were all shocked by and remember from the Timeless Children was the Doctor was a secret agent for the Division, which I didn't. But like, I feel like whatever shocking reveal it's going to be something to do with the Division or something the Doctor did for the Division. Mm. So I, I, you know, maybe she created the Daleks or something. It would be, look, if you think about it, even in the sort of narrative structure that Chipman uses... He was very much made it very clear from the outset of series 12, this is a mystery about the Doctor. Whereas nothing actually has been pointed... This isn't really the Doctor. Whereas season 12 was the Doctor's story. This isn't the Doctor's story. This is actually the story of the Flux. This is the story of Swarm, etc. There's no, there's no big implication that this has ramifications on the Doctor's sense of self. Uh, presumably, presumably, maybe the Doctor and the Division created the Flux. Like maybe mm. that was the idea. Oh sure, because they they were talking about like the flux. That lady. It what, was right, made. Right. What do we think about that lady? What is there to think about her? It's just reminded me of a. What uh, do we think her significance is? A late Matrix scene. Oh, the Colonel Sanders. Yeah, it, scene in the it, ga- it gave me the similar vibe <laughs> of uh, there were cha- much. Like we actually, as we were watching it, we brought up Cloud Atlas a lot yes. during this episode. And at the end, Jupiter ascending. Jupiter ascending. So to take it to another Wachowski uh, film, and ultimately the better ones, uh, but not necessarily the seat going. Once you're at Reve- is it Revelations, the last one? Uh, Revolutions. Revolutions, where you have uh, the architect show up, and you just kind of suddenly get new uh, this new character thrown in, and it's for a bit of canon and a bit of lore, and, and actually. Just as a side, really like the architect when it comes to Matrix Revolutions. Right. But yeah, it felt very similar to that as a scene. Which is interesting because there's the new Matrix film coming up soon. Yeah, there is. What's that one called again? I can't remember. Redemption, I think. Something like that. It's something like um, Rambunctious. <laughs> Restitution. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so you think, do you think, or do you think the division are like, created the universe or like created time or something so like do you think that's going to really reveal that like it's I can be... see your, your first idea actually the one about how it was maybe maybe a weapon they created gone wrong which is just the most done plot <laughs> yeah well it's like people speculating that the timeless child is going to be fallen for a portal from the future of Gallifrey so I really like very... that I really like that I don't hate it oh but it's such a hackneyed like it's so science, hackneyed, science I love fiction it. I love it. <laughs> Well, I, pr- I prefer that to just something about the division. I, realistically, even though I really like all of the swarm stuff, mm-hmm. the, the division as a backstory isn't particularly. I don't particularly care about how this agency was formed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't need more backstory. I like. I I can guess the fact that it's space. There's a lot of it. You have decided to form some kind of police force, like. I don't really need to guess that. Obviously, that would happen. Yeah. So, what do you? Why do you reckon? Because the swarm was sort of putting people into the passengers, but like, what do you think their whole deal is? Because 
I think mm. because they do really invoke. It's this. hard even to talk about any of this stuff. There are yeah, so there's, many there's questions. Nothing, it's like, but there's nothing to grab hold of. Mm. There's, like no, there's nothing to. Yeah, there's no center. I can't no. get a foothold. Actually, they they said like the center cannot hold. Doesn't doesn't bear mm. say that. Yeah, dead poets, brilliant. But <laughs> like, it's like this woman that we were just discussing the, the 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 exposition dumper lady. It's like, how do we begin to discuss her? Because she showed up, she gave us some vague. I, I would, I'd hesitate to even call that exposition. She she said some ominous stuff. Yeah, mm. it's, it's, we we had like multiple scenes of that. Like, but keep, we've keep no sense of like you get she... a lot of lines and like sort of something almost like exposition where we go the flux was made and. I mean, we sort of already knew that. We didn't know necessarily, you know, maybe it's more artificial than we thought, but we always presumed it was at least there was the agency of someone doing it. It wasn't... Yeah, I was shocked when the Doctor was so shocked by that. Because even in the last episode, she was asking the Santarans, did you... uh, Yeah, it's not not an earthquake. No. It's clearly a baddie. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, I mean, it feels like um, the star's going out. In series four, like mm. someone's doing it, either it's Davros or whatever. Um, is this gonna be Daff? It's not gonna be Daff. The swarm turns out if swarm turns out to be Davros, that'll be that'll be very preach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do. The swarm really swarm and uh, Azure do remind me of Voldemort. So I wonder if there's a similar mm. sort of you know they hate the division for for not going far enough sort of idea. Um, I've no idea. It's, it seems really hard to kind of it's get hard to even chat about to talk yeah. Um, yeah there's there's a contentlessness to it like, there's no there's so much content that it's like as the episode ended I was like I don't know how we're going to do Galactic Yoga on this because, but it's like I said but it's, it's also what's the, the emotion the yeah because yeah. yeah. yeah, what's, yeah. what's the emotional story of this season well I think the emotional it's like the emotional story of this episode is what is going on here what is the Wikipedia explanation for it? That, that's, that's exactly like, like, in like, you know, I'm enjoying this more than I enjoyed season 12. But the emotional story of this, of season 12, is very clear. It's the Doctor learning about her past. Whereas the emotional story of this is, something's going on, it probably needs to be stopped. I enjoyed this in the way that I enjoy good music video. No, mm. really? Do you know what I mean? Like, it, like it's, a, it's a series of, of or like, interesting um, and engaging images. A big old huff of a popper. A popper? Yeah, taking poppers. Johnny, I don't know why you're suggesting I've done that. Do you know what I mean? I've done a, I've done a nos. For example. Right. <laughs> just a big old huff of something stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's got that level of, it's, right. oh, it's hella exciting, and then it's over, and then it leaves you empty. Doctor Who, I'm taking another hit. No, I just, I think, I think this is the poppers season. <laughs> sure. It's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good metaphor. I, I mean, the full of sound of fury one was more, um, more uh, intellectual, but this this is this, this one means more the same thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is. Yeah, this this that does one of the things I liked about this episode. You've not done poppers, Johnny. Surely, What's, in what scenario have you been doing poppers? Someone was like, "Do you want to try some of that?" In what when? What year? Uh, school. At, at secondary school. Yeah, Dougie gave me like. <laughs> in the ruins of Gallifrey. Yeah, <laughs> Dougie always had some in his coat pocket. What? <laughs> uh, fair enough. Okay. Sorry, Willie. This, this, this is lost on me. I was to listeners, uh, apologies if I've just named and shamed you for bringing up poppers to school. Yeah, you should bring that out. You know, <laughs> in two thousand and ten. Will you were saying? No, no. So one of the things I liked about this episode was I liked being confused by. It. I liked. I liked saying, "Oh, what's going on here? This is intriguing. This is interesting." 
I think like, that, does that only work now? Like, I think it worked in this episode, but I think it works like if you get reasonably satisfying answers within 50 Yeah, this minutes. is what I'm saying, yeah. I'm not sure it works. Again, I'm, I'd be curious to see if people binge this. Like, is this better if you sit down and watch the six hours? Because mm. um, week to week... I think we should do that at the end. I week, think we should watch this full six hour movie. Because week to week, to week it does kind of feel a bit vacant. Yeah. I'm starting... My little prediction is... Because we know we have the specials after this. Oh, yeah. Is this seems like quite a lot to start wrapping up. I don't think he's going to. I don't think that this is as, as much a contained six episode series. Do you as think? We, that would be <laughs> we, We've all been approaching this like it's six episodes and then two slightly separate specials. But I, I see a lot of these angles just being left a little bit amiss. I think it might be like, you know, the Coen brothers or something deliberately sort of unresolved ending <laughs> you've put a lot of weight on the word deliberately <laughs> I think you're being very generous there the Coen brothers are some of the, uh, the most visionary like well this is, this is I mean this gets back to another great Chibnall PR moment of mine which is uh, you know last uh, at the end of last year someone asked him about ratings they said oh well would you judge small acts based on its ratings I was like well, did no. he really say that? I think he said that. I I would have to double check. Oh I think my he said something God. like that. And it was like, actually, that's another thing that has some sort of ambiguous endings and things like that. But like, but also, like, you're not did making, Small Axe do quite well? You're not making Small Axe, though, yeah. Chris. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, that's insane that he said that. Hey, it also stars Joe Martin in a, a very small role. In a small role, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Oh, wait, where She's in the last one, the education one. She, she plays like she plays like the teacher at the like um the oh, baseball and the, oh, she school. did yeah I've forgotten about that yeah. oh god that oh, small axe was great yeah that's great let's do a podcast great. about that yeah. oh it's also it's that was six or was it five six no uh, five five well you know there's more to talk about over that five probably yes absolutely um okay yeah. uh, let's, let's talk let's do a small axe podcast which one did, did you have a favorite of the five uh. Either education or Lovers Rock. Uh, mm. Is Lovers Rock the party one? Yeah. I've not seen that one still. Oh, uh, it's fantastic. I, so I, I think maybe I'm being a bit basic. I love the mangrove one. Oh, the yeah. Big that was, that was, that I thought that was stunning. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, Molly. We've we've done this. What was, what was is this too big of a segue? I, I, I d- look, I don't mind a I don't mind a diversion. Uh, what I don't like is an intellectually stimulating diversion. Okay. Well, what do you think? Let's go back to that press quote. I mean, you, you know, you, said, you seemed incredulous when I relayed it just then. Well, why did I think it was so outrageous? Yeah, yeah. Just, just because it's, you know, it, the, um, the Small X series was like uh, seminal anti-racist television. Like this... <laughs> To compare your, to compare anything you make to that in any way just seems. I mean, I aspire ludicrous. to I aspire to be half as good as Steve McQueen. Right, like, yeah. right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like that it's you aspire to be good as Steve McQueen. Chimnall just was like, yeah, I'm like Steve McQueen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like Oscar award winning Steve McQueen. I would watch. I'm gonna Steve need McQueen's... a citation for this. Did he really say? I it? think it was in Doctor Who magazine. In Doctor Who magazine, po- poke sure. me, poke me when I get home. I can dig it. Love it. But like, okay. Um, um, actually, I watched Steve McQueen. He looked at Turner Prize winning, Oscar winning <laughs> director Steve McQueen and was like, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the level I'm working at. <laughs> okay, speaking of the level he's working at, um, what are our main predictions for the end of series 13? Uh, I want Will to start. 
uh, Faction Paradox, Iris Wild Time, um, uh, the Looms, um, the the Chumblies, and the Bullcat <laughs> will all it'll turn out to all be orchestrated by them. Uh, no, it'll be it'll be Tim Shaw is orchestrating the whole thing. We'd love it. He's been masterminding the whole Whitaker era. If Tim Shaw shows up, be... I would be so happy. It'll be like Spectre. It'll turn yeah. out he was behind everything. I'm the uh, architect of your nightmares, Doctor. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't hate that. I... No, just for sheer cheek, it would be. Yeah, incredible. the sheer audacity of it. On a more serious okay, note, fine. I suspect we're in for. Another, I think, my my sort of thematic prediction is, uh, well, my 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 plot prediction is there'll be more deep lore reveals at the end okay, of the series. Fine. My sort of thematic one is the finale will go off the rails in a completely different way to how the last two finales went off the rails. Because <laughs> mm. there's a really interesting thing about Chibnall is both of his finales go completely to pieces, but in totally different, different ways. ways. Yeah, <laughs> so true. <laughs> You'll find a brand new way. To yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, Johnny prediction. I think we're not going to see much of Vindra and Bell until they deus ex machina us out of the scenario. Do you think they'll be the new Carbonista, right? Yeah, I think they're they're going to they're going to real sort of help us out at the end. We're not getting loads more from them. What do I also think? I think there's going to be a very boring bit of exposition that explains all of this, and we're not going to understand it. <laughs> I yeah, I think we're not. I don't think he's going to drip feed us these explanations for the next three weeks. I think we I think get we're getting zero explanation, and then in the last 25 minutes of episode six, we're getting it all. We're getting more and more questions, and then a dip, like, highly unsatisfying. Carbonist will pull out, like, a telephone directory-sized book and go yeah. slam it on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what's been happening. It's actually Carbonist <laughs> reading director camera, and it's, uh, like, the new wiki entry that is being uploaded to the TARDIS wiki. <laughs> As the episode It's like lands. scrolling on the screen like yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, buckle up, kids. <laughs> It'll be a Twitter thread. It'll yeah, be, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> We're going to start with Lung Barrow and we're not going to be done until, <laughs> until the 55 minutes are over. He does one of those really long, insufferable Twitter threads at the game, like strap in, kids. It's law time. <laughs> Red emoji. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... I found my I, I don't I don't really have a prediction, but my takeaway is that okay to do a bit of a takeaway? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Is that this episode was potentially the most entertaining one so far mm-hmm. and also managed to convince me more than anything else that he's not landing this. I fully agree. I think it was the most entertaining one so far. I think it was the worst one so far. I think it proved to me that we're not getting all of the answers. Uh, it also made some of the most egregious bad decisions of the series so far, most importantly in relation to Joe Martin's Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're getting... I don't think we're getting the answers we do want. I think we're getting some of the answers we don't want. <laughs> right. Much like last year. Um, but I'm still excited for the next three weeks. I enjoyed it ultimately. Yeah. So it seems Doctor Who Flux is a land of contrasts. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. I, I think it's it. going to be the one this it's all, all the whole series it's going to continue to be entertaining. It is like recreational drug use. <laughs> it's fun at the time. You're ne- you're not necessarily gonna benefit from from it in the long term, but you're 
you're very eager for your next fix. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be one of those things that you... I, the, Chris, I, the Christian Ronaldo will end and he'll leave those um, empty NOS canisters in his wake. All over the place, yeah. All over the pavement. I'm imagining, yeah, I'm imagining this is going to be a series that will be only watched as a binge in one go and, and have no real purpose beyond that. And, and, it's, and people won't regularly return to it, but it'll be one of those ones... You know, say you're sort of, you know, a, a big fan. It's going to be something in five to ten years' time that people will be like, you know what I haven't watched for, for God knows how long? The fox, bitch. Should we just sit down and do that? Oh, yeah, fuck it. Why not? And you sort of do it go, God, that is mad, isn't it? And then you forget it again and don't watch it for another six years. Yeah. I, think that's its, I think that's its fate. What's interesting is he's about to drop some deep lawners again for the second year in a row. <laughs> and then he's going to yeet out of there. Yeah. And, and RTD's going to step in and probably ignore all of it. It's going to be very funny when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm starting to bet RTD's doing hard reset. How do you mean? Like, RTD, you know, in that way that um, just at some point uh, Spider Man's Tom Holland. Right. It, like, it was Andrew Garfield before that was Toby Grant, and they were like, we're not like a to, reboot rather than a yeah, continuation. Yeah, we're not even going to do an origin I story. I don't think we're getting a reboot. I, I think I, Russell knows better. I think I'd, I'd kind of love it if he did. No, I think he knows better. That would be funny. That would be interesting. I don't think he would do it. I think it would be a really you know why I don't choice. Think he, I don't, you know why I don't think he would do it? Because it was the most obvious and most sensible thing to do in 2005, and he didn't do it then. So he's not mm. going to do it now. I don't know. By the end of Series 13, it might be sensible. <laughs> you know. Maybe, um, maybe. Which makes, which makes the fucking, the deep law reveals even more ludicrous mm. than they would otherwise be. I'm excited either way. I think he's going to set it in black and white and make it in the 50s. That, I would watch that. That would be incredible. But um, it sounds like there's a really, there's an interesting sort of paradoxical way in seeing it's good and bad simultaneously. You mm. might even say it's like a hybrid. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's there is a weird way in which it's like recreational tricky. So this is the best. This is yeah, the best. It's poppers. Yeah, Doctor Who poppers is what he should have called it, not flux. There's yeah. a weird way in which he's doomed to just constantly live up to the, the prophecies of the muffins. <laughs> he he is the hybrid. Yes. Um, well, this show is the hybrid. Um, no, I'm I'm excited for more though. Yeah, I think for for me, I wouldn't call it the worst or the best of the of the series, but I think it is. It did prove because last week's I came down a bit hard on because I thought it was ended up feeling quite routine. Whereas I think maybe next week's will as well it looks more tra- traditional. But I think this did make me think. Okay, this is gonna this is gonna. I think at base level, what I want out of Doctor Who is it to surprise me, and I think it this this week did surprise me. So I think it will. I think he. I think the show will continue to surprise me, whether or not it will be a pleasant surprise. Remains to be seen. <laughs> that was a nice note to end on, I think. Yeah, I I think my my theory of yet yeah, last week's being the worst of the series, I think it's gonna ring true. Whereas I think we have the big bold opener, mm-hmm. then we're gonna dip down and ramp up, and I think we've ramped up. We're not necessarily we're potentially even past that big bold opener. Right? Mm. I I found because it, it seems to me almost easier to open with loads of narrative threads and keep it wild and mad and actually to middle of the story still have that kind of wild mad freneticness that actually to me is almost a little bit more exciting because you're you're in your second act and your middle part of the story is still juggling and having fun actually I might I Look, think here's the thing with juggling Johnny juggling is only impressive 
if you catch the balls. <laughs> juggling, is, juggling is not impressive if you throw three balls in the air and fail to catch them. But this is so. This is why I think he threw three, three balls in the air uh, in episode one. He sort of let them linger in the air in episode two. This is the first pass round. He's done a full rotation in episode three. Right. We're going to see if they all end up back in his pocket by episode six, or if they end up. It's actually he's juggling knives and <laughs> he's stabbed himself, the audience, and a few children watching. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much, uh, Will, for for coming over. My uh, pleasure. And for being on the podcast again. Yeah, my pleasure. It's always always nice to be here. Uh, it's been really nice chatting to you. Yeah. Where me can too. where can people find you and your output? on the internet uh, you can find me on twitter at will underscore s underscore seven um, if you uh, follow me on patreon at, uh, I'm at patreon.com slash uh, how much does that cost uh, it costs uh, as little as one dollar per month there are no tears give me one dollar or one pound and you can have everything including all of my reviews of uh, series 13 so I mm. uh, I've recorded this before I've written my review of uh, this episode so see what I find to put in the review <laughs> how many patrons do you have so far I, I don't keep count but they're all wonderful people and I'm very glad to have them um, okay. but, um, but yeah come along and uh, read my opinions on other episodes of this series mm-hmm. I've enjoyed your reviews so far and Johnny has too haven't you yeah I've enjoyed them oh, thanks very they've much. Uh, come out often in time for me to read it in bed while I'm pretending to go to sleep oh excellent you uh, know that bit beforehand yeah, when you're just yeah. on your phone there's yeah. something intimate about that yeah Oh, thank you. I think that's yeah. that's, that's touching. I know the first episode when I I sort of came out when in that bit of scrolling you do before you go to bed. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, oh, well, she was tweeting. Oh, I'll read that. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> back my Patreon. It makes excellent bedtime reading. You can find me on Twitter at Molly underscore Martian. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Galactiopod. You can email me. Galatiopod. But that email is compromised. Yes, but that email is compromised. <laughs> so if you've emailed me, just let me know on Twitter. Um, you can find Johnny on Twitter at Jonathan Wolfish. W A L F I S Z to those not fluent in Polish. Yeah, you can find um, Little Creatures Theatre, Johnny, um, mine and Johnny's um, theatre company, on Twitter at Little Creatures with a Z rather than an S. Um, we, I'll play Road to Nowhere, which Johnny wrote and I'm directing and we're both starring in. Um, debuts at the Bread and Roses Theatre Clapham from the 7th to the 9th of February 2022. You can buy tickets now at a link that I will put in the description of this podcast. Um, But until next week, thank you so much for listening. I'm not sure who will be joining us next week, but it will be coming later in the week, I imagine, because I have a little weekend away planned. Um, So it won't be happening on the Sunday, but it will be arriving nevertheless. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. uh, Thank you. See you all soon. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Catch you later. It was a good podcast, though. Yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it.